Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 103 of the podcast that was originally recorded on February 17th of 2016. Some of the games I played were the week. We got in some more German railroads, but this time it was just a two-player game. I got in a four-player game of Zulk in the Mayan calendar, which was a lot of fun. Played a little bit more sorcery on my phone, hit boldly on the PS2, and then I returned to Shroud of the Avatar. I also talked about a few of the games I want to play. Enjoy the episode. gamers and welcome to the games this is joe from what i'm playing now and welcome to episode 103 of the podcast thanks for joining me this evening as always send me some emails let me know what you're playing now you can send those emails to what i'm playing now at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at what i'm playing now don't forget to drop the g like i always say look for us on board game geek we have a guild out there just do a search for what i'm playing now on facebook you can just do a search for what i'm playing now our google plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast, and then of course our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Let's jump into what I played for the week, and I went down to my local game store this past Thursday and actually got a few good games in. I got in another game of German Railroads. I discussed this a little bit last week. Wanted to play it a little bit different this week. So last week and um, the couple of the times I've played Russian Railroads, I've actually played it as a four-player game had never played a two- or three-player game, so I wanted to just get in a two-player game and see what the major difference was between playing this game with two players as opposed to playing it with four. And I will say that it it does play a little bit different. You do have to use a little bit different of a strategy. We still had a heck of a lot of fun with it, and my opponent, the owner of the store last week, he actually pinged me on Facebook earlier and was wondering if we were going to try to do maybe another two-player game tomorrow. I don't think I can make it down to the store as early as I made it down last week, so I'm not too sure. We are going to get a chance to play a two-player game of this, but some of the things that I noticed with the two-player game, you don't have the, uh, the spot on the board that actually gives you the extra meeples. So the extra workers you can't get, that square is blocked off with a big old X over it. You still can obtain your engineers, which I tried to not concentrate on as much, but I pretty much, I think, ended up taking all of them, which is just like the last time. And I told myself and Jim, the owner of the store, I told him that uh, I was going to try to do a different strategy, and I still feel like I, I used a little bit of the same strategy I used in a four-player. So I, I do want to get this one to the table again and try maybe something just completely different, maybe not concentrate on engineers at all, and maybe concentrate just on building out maybe two railway tracks, which is what I had tried to do this past time, but really didn't go too deep into them like I had really wanted to but it still seems like the first couple of spots you're going to take are going to be the two gold mainly because the gold can be used as workers so that's going to be a big proponent since you don't have those extra workers that you can actually obtain in a two-player game the other thing like I said I was still going for the engineer with the gold that I had and I ended up having I want to say four or five engineers by the end of the game. I think it was. I think I had got most of them and then an, and then an extra one, I think it was. And it is it is nice to get those 40 points from the engineers. And then if you can also get the one um, supplemental card where you can actually score the points from the actual engineers that are on that engineer cards. Once I got, I think, my fourth or fifth one, I think I turned that in for about 25 or 30 some points. So I did get some points off of there. I didn't concentrate so much on my factories in the, during the two-player game. I did 
tried to get more of my rails built and more colors on my rails to get some of the higher scoring. I didn't work on getting any of the two times multipliers from the board, but our game was still 10 points apart. And I think when we played the four player game, I think he beat me by five points. It, it seems that we're between the two and four player game. The strategies are real close. I think the game, I have to say, is, is pretty well balanced. I really haven't found anything that's completely imbalanced or, you know, are unbalanced, but um, I'm really liking the German railroads. It's a nice expansion to Russian railroads. I don't know if we're ever going to go back to playing Russian again. I'm sure maybe we will eventually, but I think right now we're just trying to learn some of the different intricacies with German railroads still. I was using coal pretty much during the two-player game, which was one of the aspects of the game I hadn't used during the four-player. I believe I had the coal token that was letting me turn in two coal. I think it was for two gold, which was just a really outstanding trade in. I mean that if you can get that coal card, that is definitely one to get in a two player game because just like I said in the money spot on the board, that gold can be used as extra workers, not just being used to purchase the engineers. Um, of course, you only have one first player spot on the board. I really didn't concentrate on obtaining that first player spot that much during the game. I pretty much we pretty much just let that ride and I don't think either of us were really going after that as as much as we were during the four-player game. I mean, during the four-player game, it's much more competitive to get that first or second player spot. But during the two-player game, it just I just really didn't feel the need of really having to go first because once I kind of saw him letting me pretty much obtain the engineers, which he keeps kicking himself for because it's, it's a 40 quick easy points, and I don't even think he actually got an engineer, so he didn't even get the actual extra 20 points he could have gotten had he obtained at least one, so he didn't even get this, this second place 20 point scoring for that and he was kicking himself at the end of the game for that but like I said he still beat me by 10 points still a very very close game is what we had on that one and we'll see if it actually makes it to the table again one of the games I'm hoping that is on my what I what I want to play now list which I'll talk a little bit about which I'm going out of order here I've actually been reading the rules and finally actually played a solo game and watched a bunch of videos and I think I have the rules down to Zaya Legends of a Drift System. I'm going to be taking that down to the game store with me tomorrow, see if we can actually get that one to the table. But this past week I actually did get a little bit of solo play of Zaya in. I will say that um, I'm glad there's a lot of videos out there because I was doing a couple of things incorrectly, but um, very small minor things that I just need to adjust. I'm really enjoying that game from what I can see so far. I think that game's going to be a hell of a lot of fun played with three or four players. I don't want to go too with with a full five-player game during our first play until we get the rules done and until everybody can kind of get their turns flowing because it does seem like you can do so many different things on your turn in that game that one single turn is going to, I have a feeling, take quite a while. We're going to try to get that to the table this next week, but one of the other games we played after we were finished with German Railroads, we got a group of people together, I believe there was four of us, and we sat down and played Zolk in the Mayan Calendar. Now, I had seen the, um, some of the guys that are into the heavier games playing this when I had kind of first started going down to the to the game store, and I was teasing the guys yesterday. I go, yeah, I go, I never actually got a chance to play this, because this was before I was invited to the big boys table, um, when I was just starting off into my gaming a while ago 
I had always wanted to play this one. The board looked just super cool with the gears and everything. If you're not familiar with, familiar with Zulk in the Mayan Calendar, it is basically, at its essence, a worker placement slash displacement game, I guess we could say. Because on your turn, what you're going to do is you're going to put your workers onto the board. There is a cost if you play more than one worker during the turn. And then depending on where you actually put your worker on the gear, there's different spots you can actually put the workers on the gear. And as long as the zero is taken, Anything above that will basically cost you a certain amount of money or basically corn, I guess, in the game is utilized as the money. Uh, so when you're basically putting your worker down, if you put your worker on the number two, since zero one are taken as you can't skip numbers, you will have to pay two corn to put them there. Like I said, if it, this is your second or more worker, the amount of corn will increase based on the numbers you're playing. So I think it's an additional one corn for playing a second worker. Then I think it's going to be a total of three additional for three. And I can't remember what all the numbers were off the top of my head since I had only played it the one time. So that's going to be the worker placement part of the game. And basically this is a victory point style game where you're trying to get victory points um, towards the, you know, throughout the game. And then at the end of the game, try to see how much, how many victory points you can obtain as well. But you do have a limited amount of workers that you can play. So once your workers are at a certain part of the game, or basically a certain part of the board, because the gears actually spin that the workers are sitting on, you will want to remove your workers to actually then obtain the resources or basically the benefit of the square or gear part that you are on from the board so you can actually get resources like i said or get some sort of benefit where you can purchase buildings a couple of different things there's there's a lot going on in the board the board at first looks very intimidating but i picked up on the game very quickly i will say and so on your turn you're either going to do a worker placement or a worker displacement type of action you can't do both uh i believe there is one of the characters that you can actually play, I think one of my opponents had that. If he played two workers on a turn, he can actually remove a worker. I actually had a really interesting ability with my character. I was able to treat two of the gears. So I think there's four or five gears on the whole board. So I think there's five gears total. So I was able to treat two gears as the same and then two other gears as the same so no matter where my character was on one of the gears let's say I was on like the red and green so if I was on like the red number three I can actually perform the action that was on like the green number three I can't remember the exact the exact color matchings after just playing it the one time but for me being my first time playing the game this really opened up the game board for me because I didn't have to concentrate on having characters on each and every on each and every gear yet I was still able to take the advantages of the different abilities based on the gears so I tried to just spread my workers out between a couple of the gears towards the end of the game I even tried to get my characters on the blue gear I think it was which is where you can put the crystal skulls and actually score straight out victory points and a couple other things on that one I was able to get I think 11 points on one and then maybe six on another so I was able to get a couple of additional really nice scores there Definitely didn't win Zulkin being the first time I was playing, considering everybody else at the table had played it multiple times before me. But I also didn't come in last, so I was very happy with that as well. But Zulkin, if you've never played Zulkin the Mind Calendar, check it out on Board Game Geek. I'll definitely have the link in the show notes here like I always do. And I had a really good time with Zulkin the Mayan Calendar. All right, let's jump over to a couple of board, or a couple of video games, I guess, since I just talked about a couple of board games that I played. I'm still actually going through Sorcery on my phone. 
phone. I really haven't touched it too much on Steam. The one that I had downloaded, that one, I've still been actually just playing it on my phone. Still really digging the story on Sorcery. That's the little um, choose-your-own-adventure text-type adventure game that I downloaded on my phone from Steve Jackson Games. If you haven't checked out Sorcery, definitely give this one a look on your phone or or even on Steam if you play, if you have a PC. Uh, it looks to be really cool for for being a, a story-type game, and I'm, I'm really enjoying that. I also spent a little bit more time with Bully on my PS2. Yes, I still have the PS2 out, and I'll probably be playing the PS2 for a little bit longer over the PS4 and the PS3 since those are in the, those are in the living room, and my uh, my wife and my mother-in-law have basically taken over the living room since my mother-in-law is actually sick now. So I will not probably be playing my PS4 for a little while. It is basically being used as a Netflix streaming device right now, but that's okay. I still have the PS2 and my original Xbox upstairs here. But I have a lot better games on the PS2, so that's why I've been playing that a little bit. But I'm still really getting into the story of Bully. The map on the game, I actually sat down and looked around to see if there's a way you can actually minimize or maximize the map or zoom in on the map while you're actually playing the game. On the PS2 version, I don't see a way to do that. Last week I had said I really hadn't looked around. Uh, this past week I actually did look around. I looked through all the control settings and didn't really see a way to minimize or maximize. So I actually just found a decent map that I was able to print out on my color printer just to kind of give me an idea of the layout of the grounds as just finding my way around sometimes as where some of the markers are. It's just really hard to see as that map in the upper right-hand corner, like I said last week, is just it's just so damn small. It's you're, When I try to go to some of the classes, I'm running, I'm either on the wrong floor or I'm going to the wrong room or I'm down the wrong hallway or something. So that part is a little frustrating, but I can still see where this game is really good and I kind of want to play this one for a little bit more and see where I can get, get within it. So Bully's probably going to be one I'm talking about for a little bit longer. And then finally, I actually spent a little bit more time with Shroud of the Avatar. I haven't talked about Shroud of the Avatar much lately as I kind of been on my Fallout 4, Witcher 3, and playing so many other things um, type of game. I kind of set Shroud of the Avatar off to the side for a couple of months here. I was kind of just doing the hat quest for the past couple of patches that they had and really not leveling that much. So this past weekend, I'm not really too sure why, but I think it was Friday night, I kind of started leveling. And it's really nice. They're actually giving you quadruple experience based on what your max level was. And the nice thing is it's based on the max level that you reached over all of the different um, updates that they've had. So I think I had reached between level 40 and 50 originally. So I will get quadruple experience for quite a while, which I wasn't too sure since I've only been playing the game up to like level eight or 10 lately. So between Friday and Saturday, I think I got up to level 27. I started off playing a mage, which is something that I had been wanting to do. The first couple levels I actually used, uh, I went with a sword and kind of like fire build, mainly because they don't give you the choice of using a wand at first or you... I really couldn't afford one. And the wand that I think really was available was... Wands really don't seem to be super effective as far as combat goes. Well, for combat damage, I guess I will say. I don't want to say they're not super effective for magic because it, it does seem like they've actually given you... They're actually giving you some benefit by using the, the wand. The big thing that I just probably need to hit the forums and try to find out is, is it really balanced as opposed to the DPS that you're going to be losing from actually using a sword? So I had leveled up my actual sword there for quite a few levels before I switched over to the wand. And the main difference is when you switch over to using a wand, you're then using bludgeon damage. So I instantly switched off my sword. So no more XP was going to it because um, several updates ago, they actually put into the section under your skills where you can turn on or turn off XP going to particular skills. 
if, you, if you've never actually seen the game before. It's, it's an interesting concept, and it's an interesting way to build out your character, and you can pretty much become really specific with your builds, which is which is very interesting. I think, like I've said before, it, it really reminds me in a roundabout way of kind of how what you can do in Ashron's Call to an extent, as far as kind of doing your character builds and stuff. So I'm using my bludgeon weapon now, and my bludgeon weaponing is actually leveling up fairly quickly. And I've, I've noticed that with fire and the life um, that I've taken, the life uh, magic, I'm actually doing pretty good damage, even with the wand, even though the wand, I think, is only doing like zero to one bludgeon damage on a turn. The bonuses that it's giving me to um, some of my other skills is, is pretty nice. And so that's what I'm basically using it for. It gives me a bonus to my magic abilities. But I'm, like I said, I'm kind of just torn as to whether I'm losing that extra DPS because sometimes in a fight against um, multiple creatures, I'm noticing since I'm using cloth armor, multiple creatures can take me down very quickly. So I haven't trained any in the ice magic school, which is basically one of the schools of magic that has kind of like a shield that you're able to use. I really didn't want to carry around a shield with my wand as I really wasn't too sure how that would actually work. And if even leveling up a shield, carrying a wand is, is even viable. So one of the things I kind of thought of the other night after playing that I think I may try this weekend is possibly adding a little bit of death magic into my build. So my main two magics that I'm focusing on right now are the fire and life, like I had stated. And I'm able to heal myself, but I'm kind of missing some of that DPS. So I'm thinking if I can throw in a little bit of death magic, that would give me a little bit additional DPS, as well as some life drains that would maybe even buff my health up a little bit during a combat, especially against multiple component or multiple opponents. I think that might be a pretty decent mixture of damage to maybe survive some of the combats when I'm fighting multiple monsters and mobs and stuff. I will say, questing in this game is kind of interesting. Besides just kind of running around and trying to just leveling up through grinding, I tried to actually do a couple of quests, and I finished a couple of quests and did get a decent amount of XP where I would turn in a quest and get 2,500 XP and jump up a couple levels. I think one quest I turned in, I got like 5,000 XP, jumped up a couple levels when I was in my um, late teens and almost early 20s. But then I hit a quest in Ardoris where I was talking between some of the two major factions that are in this town, and I got kind of stuck. And since there really aren't any sort of things that are going to icons that lead you to where the next part of the quest is or any sort of line that you can follow that leads you to where you need to go. You pretty much just need to start talking to everybody within the town and try to figure out what needs to be done and kind of like solve the puzzle where the, it is much more text-based than most other games. Most other games, you can pretty much just click through all the text, hit accept, follow the little green trail to the quest, finish it, follow the little green trail back, there is none of that in Shroud of the Avatar. This is where they're basically paying an homage to all of the old Ultima-style games where there is just a lot of conversing that you need to do and communicating you need to do with all of the NPCs in all the towns. So one of the things that frustrates me just a little bit is the layout of the towns. I kind of just wish the towns were just laid out a little bit more, just a, just a little bit more common sense-like. It's I'm, I'm not too sure why the towns are just just seem like they're they're just really, kind of really hard to just get around and maybe I just haven't spent enough time in them to memorize them like I did from playing all my Ashron's call days and stuff I had all the towns memorized and where everybody was and I, I I really haven't spent that much time in Ardora so maybe I do just need to spend a little bit more time within the town itself but one of the things that really hurts is I thought I had read in some of the latest patches that they had actually done some optimizations in some of the towns but I will say Owl's Head and Ardoras and some of these 
Hounds are just really a bear to run through right now. I mean, I have a really good beefy computer with a 970 graphics card in it, and my computer's chugging, and it just, the frame rate is just going to complete crap when I'm running through some of these towns, which is just really discouraging. So, and I know it's still in alpha and what they're calling early access still, so they really haven't fully optimized the game. So I'm, I'm giving them that. I know I know the game isn't fully optimized yet, but to, to try to complete some of these quests when you're running around and you're just, it's just a bear to get around the town, it just really kind of makes you want to avoid that whole part of the game right now. And that's kind of really something I wanted to start playing around with more leading into the release of the game. But I may just have to wait for things to, to just get a little bit more optimized till I really start doing some of these quests. The other thing, some of the additional houses and stuff that they've actually released in the stores... One of my friends that actually plays the game as well, when we, whenever they release a new house, we'll go to Hometown, which is where they put up model homes of all the different towns that are out there, and they have people decorate them and stuff, and it's really nice. But one of the things we first kind of comment to each other is we, both of us really dislike the layouts of most of the houses from like an architectural standpoint on the insides. I'm not too sure who is designing some of the houses and where, where they came up with some of the ideas to have a medium-sized room in the middle and then two tiny rooms off on either side. It's like it's like the guys need to just sit down and maybe watch some of these HGTV, HGTV shows where they have, like, the house, the house people are just remaking the houses and rebuilding and remodeling stuff and just get some better ideas for some better floor plans for some of these houses because some of the houses from the external look outstanding, but then when you start running through them from the inside, they feel so cramped, so claustrophobic, or there's little rooms on one side and a, a small room over here, and they, the floor plans, I hate to say, some of them are just downright horrendous. And I hate to say that for as much as I'm enjoying the game, but I just really wish that they would just have somebody go through with some different floor plans and just try to just make them feel a little bit more open or just just come up with something a little bit different so they, they just have a better feel to them. Because it feels like when I'm running through some of these these houses from the insides, it just, they just, even some of the larger houses... I can't stand some of the floor plans for as big as they are on the outside, for as tiny as all the different rooms are on the inside. It's just, I would just like to see some of the bigger houses to maybe just have like one big grand hall where you can just put a bunch of stuff in, which would just be so cool looking, I think, to be able to decorate something like that. So we'll have to wait and see what they do later on with some more, with some of those houses and stuff and with some of the architecture and some of the floor plans and stuff. I'm hoping some of that stuff can get cleaned up in Shroud of the Avatar, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. I'm still having a good time with that game. I really like the mage build. I was really surprised how much I was enjoying it. Once I kind of got everything going and got over that little initial hump of basically being a glass cannon that was breaking every five seconds. Um, as long as I stay within my means, I can pretty much handle myself now and I'm not dying instantly and I can pretty much burn my opponents down. So that's pretty cool. So I'm going to be playing the mage a little bit more. Still probably going to be playing maybe a paladin type build with a sword or maybe dual wield when the game goes live. Um, but I don't know if I do like this mage more. I may stick with that. So I think we do actually get a couple of characters once the game goes live. So I may just do a mage and then a paladin build and have two separate characters, but we'll see leveling up one character I have a feeling is going to be fun enough because once the quadruple XP is gone that is going to make the gameplay completely different so and I've been spoiled having that quadruple XP so those are the games I played for the week everybody thanks for joining me but before we leave let's jump into what I want to play now 
So like I said at the top of the show, one of the things I kind of want to play and I'm hoping gets to the table is going to be Zaya Legends of a Drift System. I think that game is really awesome. Like I said, I'm so glad that there are some videos that people have done over the course of time that that game has been out. It really did help me fix up a few things and, and clean up some of the things that I had misread while I was going through the rules and trying to figure out how to play it. I'm really... I'm, the, the solo play that I played through where I was playing three different ships, it's a little confusing playing three different ships, but I will say I enjoyed it. And I have a feeling once I get this to the table with a couple other people who have been looking forward to it, I think we're going to have a really good time with this game. And it's going to be one that people are going to want to revisit more and more. So hopefully I'll be talking more about Zion. and I'll give a rundown of the gameplay after I actually do a true playthrough and not just a solo one. And then the New York Game Show, I think, was this week. And a couple of the things that I actually saw from Cryptozoic this past week have really intrigued me. I haven't even found these games on Board Game Geek when I just did a search for them. And there are a couple of card games. The first one is Cartoon Network Crossover Crisis. This appears to be a deck builder that they're releasing. I believe it's going to be out in the second quarter of 2016 here, which is just around the corner, which I can't wait for. This game appears to be a deck builder that has both old and new Cartoon Network characters in it. So it has the characters from Adventure Time. It has Dexter's Lab. It just has a bunch of different characters in there and, and people from, from the comics that I am just a huge fan of and I already showed this to my wife and said this will be an instant buy since she actually enjoys deck building games and I just enjoy Cartoon Network and all the characters that they have. The other game is from another cartoon that Cryptozoic is putting out a game for and that's Rick and Morty Total Rickall. This appears to be another card game. It doesn't say this one's a deck builder so I really haven't read too much about this and I'm it's Rick and Morty, so I, I really don't care how it plays or what it does. It's Rick and Morty, so that's probably just going to be another one I just have to pick up instantly. I believe that one's coming out from what I look like in the tweet from Cryptozoic. I believe that one was going to be in... Um, April of 2016 here, so that one's right around the corner. It also looks like they're putting out an Attack on Titan tactical board game, which will probably be close to the top of my list as well. That's another um, anime that I'm really fond of and enjoy, and I'm kind of interested to see the gameplay on Attack on Titan, so that one's definitely going to be another one that is on my, definitely want to keep my eye on look and hopefully see what that one looks like. But thanks for joining me, everybody. Those are the games I played for the week, and those are the few games that I want to play. As always, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. Send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. Leave me some feedback on the guild on Board Game Geek. Let me know what you're playing on there. Just leave a post on there and do a search for on Board Game Geek for what I'm playing now. You'll find our guild there. Join us there, and hopefully we can get some conversations going. On Twitter, just follow me at what I'm playing now. On Facebook, do a search for what I'm playing now. You can probably see a pattern here. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then, of course, our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining me for this episode i should be back next week with hopefully another bunch of good games that i've played as always go out there play some games yourself and then let me know what you're playing now thanks for joining me everybody have a great week bye, -bye.